Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Dream Job Ready. I'm Dane Sharp. I'm your host and my guest today is Mike Chanchuli, who's a sports producer at the Red Bull Media House. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. G'day, Mike. Um, welcome to Dream Job Ready, mate. Uh, first things first, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you today? Always good, mate. Um, let's, let's rip into it, mate. Red Bull. Uh, dare say the listener hopefully has pressed play on this purely by seeing your name uh, and uh, you know, the brand that you work for. It's definitely one of the globe's wow brands uh, let's talk about first of all what you do there now and uh, and how you got this dream job yeah so i'm a, a producer on the content team um and i'm in the sports group so basically we are focused on producing um video content kind of in that short to mid form range um around red bull's stable of athletes which as most people know are some of the you know greatest contemporary athletes out there in a tons of different sports so that's kind of our our we're the sports team under the content team in red bull media house north america perfect and you know, obviously red bull is here to uh, to sell uh, and distribute you know cans of drink um but when it comes to you know within the business red bull media house is it's a huge priority for the business right it obviously is you know one of the key ways that the company gets its brand uh, and its purpose out there to the people Definitely, definitely. I mean, even before, you know, decade plus ago, seeing what Red Bull does, I mean, a lot of other brands and people, um, executives I talk to at other brands, they say, you know, Red Bull's marketing is genius. You know, they have this media house and that is their marketing arm. Sure, they do advertising and, and traditional stuff like that. But just the fact that they have this media network is is super cool. And it's it's really I mean, as the media landscape has changed over the last decade, it's I find myself really thankful because they're really kind of one of the few brands that are are kind of telling more in-depth stories. I mean, I, I think a lot of other brands in this digital era are more kind of following suit, but they were like the OG original, like, hey, we're going to go tell these people stories and call it marketing. <laughs> You know, I think it's a very good point you make, and there's there's some certain industries that have always committed to this, but a lot of businesses kind of went the other way for a while. They went to sort of buying content or, um, you know, having others sort of mass produce it. But you're right, like keeping it in-house, keeping control of it, and really investing in it is the other key part. I know they've invested heavily in it. It's not like they've just scrapped off a little bit of spare change every once in a while. They've actually really had a crack at it for over all these years. 
Oh yeah. I mean, you, you, it's so scalable too. Like, I mean, they have a feature films department. They have, you know, somebody doing the TikTok dance or whatever, you know, like it's, it's, they, there's no kind of stone left unturned. And, and I just, you know, I always felt like since I started there that it was kind of like an ongoing digital media university almost like they're updating you on the on the newest trends you're sitting in these they call them uh red talks instead of ted talks you know and they 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 just really provide a continuing education for their for their staff and and um you know so it's cool to go learn a lot i mean i'm not fresh out of college anymore and when i was in college there wasn't the classes these kids are taking now and when it comes to you know digital media and it's just really kind of kept me contemporary and also like I don't know it's exciting just to go to work and and know that you have the potential to create what you the craziest thing you could dream of I mean that you know they have a guy jumping out of the out of space so like <laughs> the sky's the limit for you know if, if you can if you can get your idea and sell it and you know, they know you're passionate about it. You can, there's kind of no limit to, to the type of content you can create. And culture is usually driven from top down, um, you know, and it's a really interesting point. If you could talk a little bit more. So, so you're saying, you know, if I'm fresh out of school, straight into Red Bull, it's almost as, you know, fantastic and wow as it is if I'm, you know, five, 10 plus years in my career coming to the brand. That's what, that's what kind of uh, sensation they make it for uh, starting there, do they? Yeah, I mean, I you know they when they when they bring you in, they bring you to like a university type, uh, you know, they school you kind of just this is how we do things at Red Bull, and I mean it's interesting you see like you know the the executives there that are, um, you know, had been there fifteen years and they're just as stoked to go to work every day as as the you know twenty five year old that just got his first job. So it's uh, it's pretty cool and it's very infectious and contagious when you're in there and. It is a it is a pretty cool place to 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 just be there and be around it all. How did you get your job at Red Bull? And for the listener, how did they get a job at Red Bull? Yeah, there, I mean, there's there's a couple different ways. I know, like they have a program when you're kind of fresh out of college. They call them, uh, I think they call them musketeers or you know, uh, student brand ambassadors. They actually like employ kids to be these student marketers on campus, and you know, just have a uh, brand presence on campus and then they kind of groom them and you know kind of st- hook them early and and you know groom them into the next executives but for me you know obviously I have you know previous experience with other other companies and brands and um, before I got to Red Bull but it was funny the way uh, you know the evolution of my role um, as you know I spent about eight years at Surfline um, as a managing editor there and then I took a break and and went and traveled for six months and came back and was looking for a new job. And I saw a position posted and it was associate editor adventure. And I was like, well, associate editor seems like kind of a lateral move, maybe even a step down, but it's Red Bull, you know? And I was kind of like, I actually, a former colleague at Surfline um, was working for Rebel TV at the time. And I kind of hit him up. I was like, Hey, is this like something I should be interested in? And he was like, send your resume, like, you know, get you, you know, I'll get you to the right guy. And, um, you know, kind of, it is good to always kind of have those contacts with, you know, former colleagues and, and stuff like that. And ended up, uh, what they were really looking for instead of an associate editor was kind of a digital producer. 
Um, and also, you know, at the time they were doing a lot of editorial. So I was like an editor producer. I owned all the adventure content, which was like, you know, the Red Bull Air Force, the whole skydive team, the base jumpers, um, the rock climbers, the kayakers, the, you know, uh, the endurance runners, the triathletes, like kind of, kind of that realm of, of adventure sports, which was nice for me to kind of as a change of pace from surfing. Um, and then, you know, so I was doing that, I was providing, um, content to the red bulletin, which is their, um, their magazine. I was kind of, um, being brought in and groomed to produce like larger video projects. I was working with writers and photographers and also like, um, the, the activations team to like, you know, when they have these athlete activations. So it was, there was a lot to manage and it would be way more than calling it an associate editor position. But like I said, it was great to get in there. And then since then, um, they had a few reorgs, my role evolved and grew. And, um, I mean, I don't know if you want me to keep going down that road. Please do, mate. Cause I, cause I know that it's not linear and that's the key part of this whole podcast is to prove that, um, you know, for, for most people, a dream job just doesn't wake up and slap in the face and boom, you've got it. It's, it's chop and change up and down, left and right. So yeah, carry on, mate. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really, I really love doing the adventure stuff and, and, um, it got to the point where like, you know, I was getting to do these bigger video projects and that's kind of, it was funny when to answer your original question, how I got that job, how I got the job was you go in, you know, for a couple phone calls, you know, they make sure that you're interested resume, all that stuff. And then you go in there and you're like, wow, you're going to the Red Bull HQ in Santa Monica and there's three giant buildings. Okay. Park here, go through there, call me there, like full on. It was just like, it's pretty impressive. And go to this conference room and interview with like four different people, the managing editor, the executive producer, the director of digital, like boom, 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 like a four hour interview process. And before that, they were like, Hey, we want you to do a case study. And I was like, wow, okay. This is like probably the like most work I've had to do just to like get in the door with a job. And I was like, but I'm going to take it serious. Like, this is a great opportunity. And I ended up doing a case study about one of their kayakers and kind of conceptualized a project for him and how I saw it playing out across the media network. And just using my previous experience in media, it was, I, I am observing how the Red Bull way I was able to kind of put together a pretty decent case study. And, and actually one of the, one of the people I interviewed with was like, that was the best case study we've ever seen from an applicant. I was like, okay, so you leave the interview feeling a little bit confident after that. But anyway, got the job, you know, a couple of years went by, they did a, a giant reorg of the media house, um, shifted some things around cause they kind of had social media people doing social content, but also like we had to contribute to, so it was kind of just, they got to get it in line with their global HQ in um, Austria too for workflow. Anyway, long story short, big reorg. I ended up on the content team, thankfully, as opposed to the programming team and was able to just ideate, create, produce, and kind of it, it, the path became clear and I was able to kind of end up where they asked me where I wanted to go in my interview. Like, where do you see yourself in a few years with Red Bull? I said, I'd really like to be a producer. And <laughs> from interviewing for an associate editor position and three short years later, you're a producer. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's, it's always difficult to kind of know where you're going to end up in, in some of those business reorgs. Um, for, very fortunate yeah. that you got the opportunity to, to 
And so you can get cut too. Like there were some some colleagues that didn't make the reorg, you know. It is scary, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like you kind of just are confident in yourself. You know you what the work you've done and you know, sometimes it doesn't go your way, but it was it was there were some nervous times there for a little bit when, you know, you hear all the murmurings and the the hall chatter. But yeah, I ended up on the good side of the reorg and it worked out. <laughs> Oh, that's that's gold, mate. And I know you've enjoyed your time there. And um, you know, just a quick antidote back to um, starting there, because it's it's a even for you, you had a few roles before, obviously with some great companies, but it but Red Bull's big a big deal. Uh, it's a big business. So, all, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know, two or three interviews turns into five or six, obviously with an organisation like this. And they also do it because there's so much demand, so they're weeding some people out. So just talk about your mindset going into. I guess that rigor that you had, if you can remember back to then, because there's people going through it now for different companies, shapes and sizes. Um, how did how did you approach it, and how did you approach it with that enthusiasm that obviously kept you proceeding through the process? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was I was fortunate that I had a recommendation from someone on the inside, and you know they always say it's not what you know, it's who you know, and I I don't always agree with that because I don't feel like that's always fair, but it definitely doesn't hurt. <laughs> like, you know, he, like, uh, a guy that I worked with at Surfline, like I said, he was there and he, he went to my potential boss and was like, Hey, you know, this guy knows his stuff. You can, you know, you should hire this guy. Like basically you just like put his word on the line for me. And, and so I went in with a little bit of confidence just based on that fact. But at the same time, I was a little bit nervous because my background was in surfing only. And, you know, and, and the surf world can be pretty narrow. And, and for my career, I was trying to grow. I was trying to, and this is the point where surfing kind of was going more mainstream. They were getting, it was getting classified as an adventure sport. And then you see it in outside magazine and, and all these places. So I was kind of like, this is my growth, you know, like surfing. I love surfing. I'm, I'll always be a surfer, but to grow in your career, you need to expand and, and kind of go to a broader audience or, or, you know, more sports and things like that. So I was a little nervous that I wasn't like an editor at outside magazine going in and out. You know, I was like, I, I know these sports, I participate in them, but like my background says surfing. So I was a little nervous there, but I don't know. I felt like I, I had observed Red Bull as just a media consumer for so long that I was like, okay, I don't entirely know how they work, but I'm confident in the content they produce. So it is kind of, obviously being very familiar with the person you're, or the brand who you're interviewing with. I mean, do all your research, things like that. That was kind of gave me more confident. And then just be yourself once you're in the room. It's like you're in a closed door with one other person. Like there's nothing really else to do, but I don't know. I always wear my heart on my sleeve and, you know, obviously you got to be respectful and kind of can always kind of read the person too a little bit when you're sitting down, but I just always try and just be myself. And, and if the, the interview goes two ways, you know, it's like if, if they say something that doesn't mesh well with you, maybe it isn't the role for you, you know, but luckily it was and, and I got the job. <laughs> yeah, that's good, mate. And, and I definitely agree. You've got you to be yourself because um, you won't be happy otherwise if you fake it in that interview and then you get in there, you're exactly right. It's going to disappoint you. Um, mate, just a really quick one because I think this is really topical for a lot of people. You took some time off and then went for this role and then to, to your point, you, you came from the, the same industry, industries. Obviously, Red Bull knows Surfline and, and you, you've been well aware of um, – would have been well aware of Red Bull during your time there. Did they, one – 
ask you about your time off during the interview process? Did that come up, if you remember? And secondly, um, did, did they sort of ask you about the fact that you'd been in surf, almost specifically, uh, and were you ready for that change? Did those two questions come up? Yeah, they did. Um, I, I think I kind of volunteered the first one because I was a little self-conscious on a six-month gap in my, my resume, but I kind of spun it into... I was adventuring around Southeast Asia, you know, which is true. You're, you're going kayaking and you're riding mountain bikes and you're doing all those things that you can do when you're, you're traveling, you know, and also it, it, I was able to, while I was traveling, I was um, blogging. I had a, a travel blog going. And so that kind of was like a, a filler in that resume <laughs> space, you know, like, Hey, I don't have a, I didn't have a formal job, but here's the, here's the blog I was doing. There's 20 some posts, you know? So it was kind of, I kind of volunteered that, like, here's what I've been up to before they even asked. Um, and then what was the second part of that question? The second part was around the fact that you, as you mentioned, you, you pretty much specifically had worked in surf throughout your career. Right. And this was a chance to work for a company that obviously works in surf, but also has a plethora of other activities going on. Did they, did they question whether you were ready for, the change or whether you were a specific surf kind of uh, employee? Um, I think they, they, it, it may have came up, but I kind of, you know, I, I had a few in my back pocket where like, Oh, you know, cause I, I freelance too. So it's like, Oh, I've done this. I've done that to, to where like, you know, yeah, I'm not an expert, but I'm a participant and I can edit and I can write and I can tell a good story. And I think with them, like their big thing is, is storytelling. Like if you're a good storyteller um, you know, obviously they have a lot of creative people in those halls and there's a lot of stakeholders on these projects too, to where like, you know, you'll get vetted out pretty quick if, if you're not really going down the right road, um, sooner than later. So I, I don't think they were too concerned. I think it was more like this guy has the chops. He knows how to tell a good story. His editing skills are on point. Like it was kind of like they, they felt confident in me but they also the way they started me actually now that i remember it's interesting they were like okay we're gonna start you on a retainer and we're gonna you're gonna be responsible to do this that this many stories a week this is what we're gonna do like you get you know you're not gonna be an employee you are so they basically was like a trial run from september october november and then december came and they're like okay you're in so it was like you know getting to know someone and like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it wasn't like going, going, uh, going to Vegas and getting married or anything, you know? <laughs> Mate, and, and I think, you know, the undertying part of that as well is you obviously went in prepared, which, which I think is a key thing for any listener to think about. And, and, you know, I've, uh, a couple of my previous guests have really talked to both um, preparedness and making sure that you're going into the interview, you know, knowing about yourself, knowing, you know, why you're standing there in that interview in the first place, but also, you know, having the chops to have tested or tried out the product or the, you know, the platform or the company you're working for. So I think in those two points, um, for anyone listening that has had a bit of time off, be prepared to talk about it and have, you know, whether that's get on the front foot and talk about it or hedge your bets and wait to be asked about it, but obviously know how you're going to handle that. Um, have an answer for sure yeah and i think it sounds like as well you know you kind of addressed hey i'm surf but here i go into a a slightly different role so you're probably preparing for that and i think that's crucial no matter what job or industry you're in if you're changing and leaping to a different field or a different job or different industry know the why and the how and 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 i I guess why you're ready for it as well yeah 
But uh, yeah, I think also like and interviewers want to know that you want to grow. You know, I kind of fr- I framed it like, hey, this is me expanding. This is me growing. This is me kind of going into different different fields that I, I previously haven't had. And that's a goal in my career. And And I think they like to see you know, goal oriented employees, you know, like I said, when they interviewed me, they were like, where if you got this job, where would you like to end up at Red Bull? I said, I'd like to be a producer for sports content. And that's where I'm at right now. So yes, yeah, nice. Mate. This is your chance to froth me and the listener out, you know, tell us uh, most recently, what are, what are some of the cool events, initiatives, athletes you're getting to work with? Oh gosh. Oh man. There's been so many there. Like it's, it's so cool. Cause there's like, when a project comes up, it's like, there's a snowboarder, John Jackson, you know, there's a, an endurance mountain bike, Jim Kittner, you know, there's Dane Jackson running his kayaks off, off waterfalls. Now you're going to, you know, Lake Tahoe at the skydive team and, and they're going to jump over the lake. And like, I mean, it's, everything's different. Every project's like totally different. And that's what, that was really, really fulfilling coming from the surf world. As you know, it's so cyclical and then you go to pipeline and then you're back at snapper and like, it's so predictable. I feel like the surf world is not predictable, but also like the same thing happens every year, except for different outcomes. So it was a real, real big breath of fresh air. Um, I would say as far as like probably the coolest project I had was, was that Lake Tahoe, um, experience with the Red Bull skydive team. They did what they call a barge boogie and they pull two barges in the middle of Lake Tahoe and have two helicopters just jumping there, bring them up, jump down. And they're like skidding across the water, trying to land on like a postage stamp in the middle of the lake. And that day, I took a helicopter to work. It was pretty cool. They're like, you can, you can go in here's the GoPro, like get some B roll and, and fly in with the guys. And, uh, yeah, you got to take a helicopter to work over Lake Tahoe. That was pretty cool. That's, that's the magic mate. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so good. You just, it just made me think of my, one of my favorite moments. You mentioned pipeline before. I remember once I got to fly over pipeline for about 20 minutes, I think in a helicopter doing some filming for the local TV station. You just remind me about Amazing. that. Everything's better from above. And and does you know that that um that must keep you motivated and even on a down day must get you excited to come in and go hang on a sec what are we doing, right? And it also is like it spawns new ideas. You're like if we just did that, like what about this? You know, and that's I think how Red Bull is able able to kind of be on that cutting edge with their content is just like like I said initially it was like the sky's the limit if you can dream it they can do it you know. And what, how have you kept, how have you kept up with that? Um, you know, obviously internally, they're going to do as much as they can to kind of keep you flying and, and keeping pace or, or vice versa, helping Red Bull grow as, as I'm sure it is as well. But anything outside of work, anything you do to, um, you know, upskill yourself, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to, you know, spend time outdoors. Like there's so much inspiration out there. I mean, whether it's surfing or hiking or, you know, challenging yourself in different ways, like, um, and it's just like, while you're doing those things, you can, it's kind of comes to you sometimes. I mean, every now and then you got to just like, sit down and like, think of 10 ideas, you know, <laughs> and like, I feel like those ideas aren't always the best, but they're a starting point for like you, okay, we should do this. And then 
you're out surfing the next day and you're like, no, we should do it like that. And, you know, it, so it's kind of an evolution of, of just that ideation. And I don't know, I always, I mean, there's a lot of good ideas and good projects in that company that just die on people's desks too, you know? But if they're like, if you, if it's your baby and you're passionate about it and you're the one championing it, they're pretty, and there's budget available. They're pretty like open to like, have you, that's your baby. Go for it. You know? That's, that's, I mean, that kind of culture and, and opportunity. It's, um, yeah, it's electric. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, let's jump back in time, mate. I'm going to jump to our listener question of the week because this is uh, going to put us uh, a little bit further back in time. This question is from Rachel, um, and she asks, did your first job, and you can explain what that was, did your first job teach you anything that's still important to you today? <laughs> yeah, um, probably that I don't want to be at a desk from eight till six. <laughs> and it, it was it was tough, you know, like you have to you at some point you have to do it. But I kind of figured out where I my strengths were. And yeah, you know, even what I do now, you have to be at the computer. But I was um, first job out of college. I was I moved to I'm originally from Florida and I, you know, packed up my truck and drove to California and it's like, all right, here I come, you know, and and I, I ended up getting a, a sales job at um, it, it, I don't even think the company's still around anymore. They're called Poor Boy and they did um surf skate snow accessories so it was like leashes traction snowboard wax like things like that and i was like in-house sales 
and they're a struggling company and I was like had to pick up the phone every day and just like call these shops and they're like who what like no like yeah send us a catalog like they didn't want to talk to me and I was just like it was I don't want to say it was demoralizing but it was pretty freaking tough man and and I just would just go in there and just like okay I'm talking about things sports that I love I know these products I like trying to convey that enthusiasm and I had some success you know but it was one of those things like okay maybe I'm not the best salesman but it actually got my foot in the door in the industry where you'd go to the trade shows and you'd start meet, meeting people networking and having these contacts that could potentially lead to something bigger and and that's how it happened with Surfline like I I met the the one editor way back when when he was a one-man show marcus sanders and he uh you know as they grew he he brought me over and and gave me my dream job at surfline <laughs> so it all kind of like you may not like your first job i mean even my wife says she hated her first job like i think i think coming out of college you especially now like especially with this economy is like if you got an opportunity take it and swallow your pride and and just be a positive person going in and, and absorb as much as you can. But uh, yeah, it's your first job's not going to be your best job. <laughs> no, that's good, mate. And, 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 you know, and, and I think it's a great tip to sort of identify the, what you want to, or what you don't want to do is uh, in those first, uh, first roles. That's how first you learn, roles. right? Yeah. <laughs> mate, mate, let's, let's quickly talk about Surfline. Cause that's, you know, amazing tenure there. Nine, over nine years, I believe, uh, working for Surfline uh, and a couple of different roles. So do you want to talk to us quickly, I guess, about, you know, getting that first opportunity and then how you progress through to, to be, um, you know, the managing editor. Yeah. So, um, I don't know how much all you guys are mostly Aussies listening probably, but, uh, Surfline's obviously the biggest, um, surfing website in the U S they have all the camera networks and, and surf news. And, uh, it was founded by Sean Collins who kind of pioneered surf forecasting and they had previous to when I got there, they had partnerships with surfing magazine and they were doing kind of some editorial partnerships. And then, I think the the magazine group started their own forecasting site and Sean Collins said, oh, hell no, we're doing our own editorial. And that's where Marcus Sanders came in. And he was the lone uh, lone guy just doing it all. And then, you know, Surfline's traffic grew and their the appetite grew for content just on online content as well. And kind of those like late 2000s, you know, like kind of that that mid 2005 ish kind of zone, like people were like consuming a lot of content online. And, uh, you know, Marcus was like, I, I had met Marcus through, you know, my previous job and I kind of was, I always like loved writing and, and loved storytelling and, and, uh, wanted to, you know, write about surfing, reading all those, you know, the great surf journals growing up. And, uh, and he started just throwing me a little work, like, Hey, there's a little one star contest in Newport. Like we'll pay a hundred bucks, like go down there and write a story. I'm like, cool. He's like, Hey, did you watch the women? We'll give you another hundred for the women. I'm like, yeah, like 200 bucks on a weekend. Woo. And, uh, um, it just kind of got in there and just paid my dues. Like, you know, and then like, as it grew, the budgets grew. And then, you know, he's like, I was actually working with the, the U S surf team at the uh, surfing America at the time. I believe they're called USA surfing now, but the, the junior team. And that was actually a pretty fortunate role. Cause I could be a journal on the side and still go work with the best kids, the Kolohe, 
Connor, you know, all the all the top uh, amateurs and have those relationships to this day with those kids. Um, so that but it, so I was doing both. And, you know, they brought me on as an uh, assistant editor, I believe the first title was and it was like, you know, it wasn't full time, but I, I, I was contributing and, and learning too. Um, and then as that kind of, you know, Surfline just kept growing and kept growing and it got to the point where it was like, I was all in, you know, sorry to the nonprofit, but, you know, wish you guys well. And, uh, and then, and then it just, it went through, we went through a really cool time, um, at Surfline where we had, uh, I don't know if people are familiar with Flash, but the, uh, it's a web development, like Flash software and, we had a really good flash designer and he could just go, it was one of those things. Like you can dream it and you can do it. You're like, okay, we got Rob Machado and he's got all his quiver out. And if I mouse over this board, it lights up and you click on it and it pops up, it gives the dimensions and Rob tells you about that board. And like, nobody was doing that then except Surfline. And we're like blowing the magazines away. Cause it was like a new multimedia storytelling way to tell stories. And, um, it was really cool until Apple released the iPad <laughs> and then flash went away. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, then we kind of had to, you know, to change strategy and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I had, I had kind of many roles. Like, so I was associate editor. Um, I did, uh, they were trying to, you know, in every job and it happens at Red Bull, they, the company shifts their priorities or their focus or what they want to focus on. They're like, okay, we want to be the travel destination we want surf spot descriptions all over the world. Mike, you're the travel editor, you know? So you're like, okay, cool. Like, da, da, da. you're like writing thousands of spot descriptions all over the world. And like, yeah, maybe I get to travel to a few of them too. But, and then, and then it got to the point where it was like, okay, now you're the managing editor and we have a photo editor. We have an art director. We have a video, you know, um, editor, like it, it, the, the, the team just kept growing and I was, like I said, I was their second editorial employee. They had Marcus and me. And then by the time I left, there was probably a team of nine in the editorial staff, which was pretty cool. But uh, Marcus is still there. And, you know, I hit my glass ceiling and, and you kind of realize that at the same time, too. And it was a dream job when you're in your like late 20s and you're getting paid to travel all around the world with the best surfers and and tell stories about it, like and surf yourself. So it was that was like. That was definitely a dream job from for that time in my life. And I'll always kind of remember those memories. And, and I'm thankful to Surfline for always kind of giving me that opportunity and still giving me a free membership to this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little shout out as well. Um, no, I think, you know, and I think the fact that you've, you've been on the pulse, um, I think with the industries, with a couple of those roles has, has you know, been awesome for you and has been kind of that perfect sort of realm of dream job you know i remember surfline was doing such cool things um you know throughout your time there but um yeah, as you mentioned a couple of really cool things online etc and then obviously right now when it comes to content production you know you're on the pulse with red bull the question i want to ask you and you mentioned your know, companies change focus i'd love to wrap this episode up with with one thing i really think is an interesting question for someone that's forging their career and, and powering on in a similar um industry and, and workforce that you are like where are we going next what what excites you about you know the next couple of years let's not go too far ahead but yeah you know, <laughs> what's got you pumped up about the next couple of years specifically around sports production content production i i think it's it's really hard now because there's so much social media and that's where people get their news and and 
not to take anything away from social media, but like you really have to. And, and this is one thing that Red Bull kind of really, really taught us is that you have to think about platform specific content. Like is like some people are like some uh, you, we observe some some brands or, or some people, they, they get the one piece of content and they go, I'm going to put that on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, everywhere, the same piece. And it's like, that doesn't engage your audience. So I think it's really, it's really, people are really starting to study the audiences on each platform and try and create content specific platform specific content. And, and a lot of people are doing that right now. Um, for me, it's just like, I've always just been fortunate enough to be in these positions where it's like, if you can dream it, you can do it. And if you can just, you know, there's no bad ideas and your every idea you have isn't going to be the best one, but like, don't, don't be afraid to kind of put yourself out there and, and yeah. And have people say no, or be like, no, that's not a good idea, but it's an idea. As long as you have some new, fresh ideas always, I think that kind of will carry you to whatever's next. Um, if I would have known Instagram would have been what it is 10 years ago, like I would have gone and worked for them probably. <laughs> I was going to say hot tip for the listener. Keep an eye on your uh, LinkedIn as well, mate. See what's coming. Hey, Mike, I really appreciate your time, mate. Been so good. Um, awesome career you've had. A couple of dream jobs and uh, I'm sure there's a couple more before you retire and surf your brains out somewhere on a private island. <laughs> thanks, Dane. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you and, you know, I just – Thanks everyone for listening and uh, yeah, just follow your dreams. That's actually one thing that Sean Collins, the founder of Surfline, his main slogan was follow your passion. And when I first started at Surfline, I would make the time every time I was in the office and Sean was there because Sean usually was gone chasing a swell, but I'd walk into his office and say, hey, Sean, how's it going? Get 10 minutes of the man's time and you learn so much and his his slogan of follow your passion is something that's stuck with me to this day. And I just encourage everyone to do that. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, fresh. 